Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. We are back at it. Welcome back. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined by Kyle Porter. Kyle, how are you today, my friend? Carson, I'm good. I'm uh, I'm baking in the shed. I always so we do we do the we do like our our rhythm. The last couple of weeks has been Monday morning and then Wednesday afternoon. Monday morning's great. I uh, I keep the AC on all night in the shed. It's cool. It's nice. Wednesday afternoon's rough. It gets it gets hot out here. I've actually considered. Remember when Gundy was going to take his shirt off after the the Central Michigan game? <laughs> I've considered doing that in my shed, just pro, just protesting the 2016 Central Michigan game from my shed during our podcast. I think that's uh, I think that's appropriate because it was really hot that day <laughs> at the Central Michigan game. I was down on the field and I was just baking. So. Yeah, I might do it. No video, but uh, I may do it. Hey, uh, before we get into the first five, Carson, uh, MidFirst Bank, sponsor of the podcast. They've been awesome. Uh, we have loved uh, our partnership with them. They are uh, they're offering a, a big-time bonus. Excuse me, a big-time bonus if you sign up for their OSU credit card. You can go to midfirst.com slash pistols firing. That's midfirst.com slash pistols firing. And not only does it display your OSU pride, but it also helps us out um, just by, uh, yeah, just supporting our sponsors. So they're great. Uh, you get $150 bonus by signing up for that credit card. Uh, you can earn points. You get Bursar. There's a Bursar rewards option. So a lot of cool stuff going on with that OSU credit card. Uh, they've got, uh, yeah, it's it's all orange and white and black and uh, they got a ton of OSU stuff going on. So go sign up for that. And uh, thanks again to MidFirst Bank for sponsoring the pod. It's a pretty big flex. As I mentioned, Tylen Wallace's Superman shirt is a big flex. It's, it's a pretty big flex laying down the uh, credit card with, you know, OSU logos all over it. That, yeah, it, that, that lets people know what's up. It's got Pete on it. It's great. And thankfully, they didn't go. MidFirst knows they're, they're in the uni game. They didn't go like Chrome, Gargantuan, Pete. They just went just Pete. Like just normal Pete, and it's great. It, <laughs> they didn't go Ed Hardy print just yeah. all over the card. <laughs> Can you imagine if you pulled out an Ed Hardy credit card? Well, it's a black card, so I guess that you know that makes it look you know like you got a lot of money on it. But <laughs> the uh, the Paisley Ed Hardy print probably a turnoff. Yeah. Yeah, not good. No, it's just it's they might just, just cut it. They might just cut it in half. You know, like just, when your card gets declined, they just they just get the scissors out and cut it in half. It's just normal. I went to Oklahoma State 15 years ago, and I have a kid, and I'm married. Pete, like that's the Pete that's on there. Perfect. It's it's yeah, it's good. Father, Father Pete. <laughs> okay, first five, Carson. Let, let's start with this. So Oklahoma State, K State, uh, this weekend. If I would have asked you on Monday. If K State was ranked, what would you have said? Thirty eighth. I I didn't know they were ranked in the top twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I saw I saw the number next to their name and was shocked. Even though I, I knew they were undefeated, but like 
and I knew they had a good win on the road at, at Mississippi State, but it was a little shocking to see the number next to their name. Yeah, I mean, it, the the theme continues. Like when Bill Snyder was there, it was always you know don't un- they're the team that gets most underestimated whenever they get picked by the media by whoever. And apparently that's continued. Um, who knows? I mean, we're one game into the conference season. But what I wanted to do with this, since uh, Oklahoma State, K-State is in Stillwater on Saturday, we've had some – we did this with uh, Texas OSU last week. We've had some kind of like low-key classics with OSU and Kansas State. I wanted to get your take on just what your favorite uh, of the last, I don't know, decades worth of OSU, Oklahoma State, Kansas State games is. I went more than a decade. Is that Okay. I was going to go, yeah, go under, an underrated game in, in OSU lore. I was going to say, I, yeah, Gundy era is fine. Oh, I'm going pre-Gundy. Sorry. Uh, like the, this <laughs> millennium? I'm going the, the L. Roberson, Darren Sproles game wow. in Stillwater. Okay. OSU won 38-34. Uh, the, that L. Roberson, Darren Sproles team was like one of the best NCAA video game teams of yep. all time. You just run the speed option with L. Roberson and Darren Sproles. And that was like one of the biggest wins OSU'd had in a while. Um, that was kind of the, that was kind of when OSU had, had started to get get rolling with with less and start having a winning record. Um, but Gundy era, I mean, to me, it's got to be the most memorable. Surely is is 2011. That was one of their closest calls at home. Justin Blackman had the had the game winning touchdown, and it just solidified Blackman as just just a, a force of nature that we had never seen at wide receiver. But uh, Gundy era, I go 2011. Uh, prior to that, they, when they beat L. Roberson in 2003. Yeah, the the L. Ro- the L. Roberson that was the uh, the fake field goal, right? The sky rylant. Or, or was that against Nebraska? I don't recall. Luke Phillips, remember? He he. They like they ran yeah. the they ran the thing where like uh, Luke Phillips took it and and the the um, the holder, holder threw it over his head. Yeah, backwards. Yeah, maybe they should. was that game. Maybe they should have run that against Texas last week. Yeah, let uh, let Matt Amendola run around the edge. Uh, <laughs> he looks athletic. He's kind of like low key jacked, kind of like Luke Phillips was. I don't know if he's low key jacked. I think Victor Hovland is low key jacked. I don't know if Matt Amendola might just be jacked. Yeah, I think you're right. So <laughs> so is Luke Phillips. You know, Luke Phillips is one of the better athletes on the team. Yeah, all state soccer player. Yeah, you're. Did you play against him in soccer? I wasn't that old. He was. He was before my time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, so I'll go. Since you went eleven, you went like three different years. I'll go. I'll go fifteen. Oklahoma State is down. What was the score here? They're down thirty-three. To, uh, yeah, they're down. They're down. They're down twenty-eight, twenty-six in the fourth. There's six minutes left. Rudolph throws a go-ahead touchdown to Brandon Shepard uh, from three yards out. Then K-State marches down the field, scores with three minutes left to make it 34-33. They go for two. They don't get it. And Oklahoma State, I don't know if there, there was a play. I think it was it was like fourth down. It was like fourth and 12 or something like that, fourth and eight. And Rudolph went over the middle to, uh, to Marcel Aitman. Do you remember this? Somewhat. And they marched it all the way down. Ben Grogan hits a 37-yarder with 32 mm. seconds left to win it. And, and to that point, I mean, that was Rudolph's first year starting. This was when they started 10-0. and uh, He went 30 – how about these numbers, Carson? He went 34 
for 55 for 437 and three touchdowns. <laughs> uh, pretty unbelievable. They had 200-yard receivers that game. James Washington had seven for 100, and Marcel Aitman had six for 101. Um, so just a, I don't know. That was just that was a fun one. I, I remember that one pretty clearly, and uh, and Grogan hitting the 37-yarder because that was back before. I mean, I think that was before people like came around to the idea of Grogan being really good, and so for him to hit that, it was I don't know. That was a big deal, and that was the start of their their kind of big winning streak in the Big 12 that year. Yeah, he had had some struggles prior to that, but he ended up making some big kicks. That one, the one at Texas in 2015. And man, that, that we talk about the 2015 season a lot. How they started 10 and 0. It just seemed like every game was just kind of a crazy yeah. comeback or survival, kind of like that game you mentioned. So that one, that's a good pick as well, for sure. Uh, okay, want to talk about this? I, I wrote about this a little bit earlier this week, but just this idea. So uh, Chuba Hubbard is on pace. I wrote, I wrote about this on Wednesday. Chuba Hubbard's on pace for an astronomical, almost 400 carries is what he's on pace for, which is uh, it's, it's not good. It's, uh, nobody else in NCAA football right now has more than him. He's got 103. Nobody else has hit triple digits. And so just this idea of like, we've talked about backup running back. We've talked about, you know, who's the guy LD Brown, like what, what's going on. Isn't Spencer Sanders kind of their backup running back? Like, does that, does that make sense to you? It, it kind of clicked with me a little bit after I was, I can't remember if you and I were talking or, or maybe I was talking to somebody else and it's like, wait a second, they already have another running back and he just plays quarterback. Does that, does that add up to you? Yeah, it adds up. I, I think I, I think of it in these terms, Oklahoma state at the end of the year, <clears throat> excuse me, is going to have kind of a, a certain amount of rushing yards and whether that's filled with the backup running back or Spencer Sanders, whoever's most effective, I think they're going to get to that number. And I think, I think it's bared out so far that Spencer Sanders is going to be the one that that makes up the slack for Chuba Hubbard. Now is Chuba going to get 37 carries every game. Like I know Gundy talked about that in his press conference. He knows that that's not sustainable. And he talked before the season about, you know, the percentage level of, of his players going down as the year progresses, just how, how much output they can actually produce. So, no, I, I, I do think Spencer's the, the backup running back to this point. I just, I, I worried how sustainable that is. But I, I do think of it in terms of actual production rushing the football. Yeah, I think Spencer's going to be, when the, when, the, when the dust settles, he's going to have the second most rushing yards on the team. I think that's a... That's an interesting way to look at it. I just I do have concerns of how sustainable it is. Well, remember last year when they didn't they didn't want to run corn because they were like, well, what if he gets hurt? And this year they're like, sure, we'll run Spencer eighteen times a game. We don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, they're they're different styles though. Whereas Spencer can avoid contact, where Cornelius just kind of had to absorb it. Yeah. You know, that that's probably the biggest difference for why they wouldn't last year. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, those two combined, by the way, for uh, 55 carries. <laughs> 55 wow. carries at Texas uh, on on Saturday. Sanders and, and Chuba did. They are they are the best uh, rushing duo in the Big 12 in terms of yards per game. Now, OU's got – so OU's weird. They've got – like, Hertz is averaging like 126, and they've got three other guys that are right around 60 but there's not one that is like really pops like Sanders does as kind of a second guy. Um, so if you look at just top two, 
uh, Sanders and Chuba are averaging like 240, and nobody else in the Big 12 has a has a top twosome in terms of rushing the ball that's over uh, that's over 200 a game. So yeah, they're they're much more of a committee, and it's 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 inverted really. The quarterback Jalen Hurts was like ninth in the country in rushing. Yeah, <laughs> so like that that should even out for them as well as far as the running back production. But but no, it's I think they've done a really good job utilizing what Spencer's good at running the football. And I think they're going to have to, because you've, as you've, you've been the front runner on this, just, they don't really have a backup running back. LD Brown's been a big, big disappointment. And I guess Jeter and, and Jackson are just still banged up and not ready to either still banged up or just, they don't think they can, they can give them what they need. So that's uh that's something worth monitoring the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. Next up we got, I got a quote, uh, for you here. We're going to get to the ESPN plus thing in a second, but I got a quote to follow up something you said on Monday about kind of, you know, when we talked about Sean Gleason and, and Mike Gundy and who's running the offense and what's going on. Um, I'm going to read this quote to you from Gundy's presser on, on Monday. You ready for this? Yep. So he said, it, um, this is Mike Gundy talking about Sean Gleason. It's really clear. You can ask any of our offensive coaches. When I go into that meeting room, I tell them, look, I'm not the head coach, okay? I'm just a position coach just like you, and I'm giving you information. As Mike Yurcich's career progressed, he learned to throw more of it in the trash. Sean is a little more into what I have to say, to be honest with you. What do you think about that? Oh, I think I think it's a natural – I think we've seen this before. We've seen this movie before. When Mike Yurcich got there – he listened to Mike Gundy or Mike Gundy overruled him. However you want to phrase it, it's it's total gray area with us. Mike Gundy's not going to lift the veil, lift the curtain, and tell us exactly what's happening on, on a game day basis. But it's clear to me he hired Mike Yersich so he could call the shots. He wouldn't have the offensive coordinator title. But he hires a guy from Shippensburg because he knows, A, he's not going to leave anytime soon because he just plucked him from a lower level. And B, the guy's going to listen to what he says. And I think he's trying to replicate that with Sean Gleason. Now, Sean Gleason had much higher credentials coming from Princeton with what he did. But the idea that Sean Gleason is just going to go full Todd Munkin or full Dana and just override Mike Gundy, is it's not realistic. I think he listens to him because he's a boss. If your boss tells you to do something, you're going to do it. And I think that's what happened in Austin. Mike Gundy said, run the football. You can keep running it, so do it. If your boss so su- he did. <laughs> suggests that you do something, you're going to do it. It's not like... Right. And that's the thing that it kind of annoys me that Gundy's like, look, I'm not the, I tell him I'm not the head coach. Well, you are. And like, that doesn't change because you tried to like trick them into saying that you're not like it, it is what it is. And I don't know, man, like, I feel like we just, you're right about the, the seen this movie before thing. Like we get into this whole deal. Oh, this guy's so creative. He's, he's it's like flag football. And, and you tweeted all these videos out and, and, and like, Princeton inside the red zone and they're just, you know, running all dynamic. These, yeah. They're freaking awesome. And then you bring them in and it's like, wait a second, like what, what's going on here? So I don't know that that's something to monitor as well. We don't need to go too far down that road. Cause we covered a lot of it on Monday, but I just wanted to kind of give you that quote. Um, cause I didn't, yeah, I, we didn't talk about that on Monday cause Gundy hadn't had his presser yet. Well, and, and I agree that, I, I believe Mike when he says when he goes into those meetings he he treats it like he's a position coach. I, I do think he hires Sean Gleason and lets him run the you know the offensive staff meetings the offen- and gets to 
you know, again, that first series looked like a scripted series that Sean Gleason could have, you know, drawn up himself. But when they get in big situations, big calls, big big third downs, big fourth and ones, I think Gunny's on the headset saying we need to do this because <laughs> I've been here before. You haven't. So that's kind of where I stand on it. Yeah. Again, it's it's gray area. We don't we'll never know the full details because Mike Gunny's not going to not going to do that. And I don't really blame him for that. But I don't know. I just, you know, the, the, the offensive coordinators have changed the philosophies of running it on first down the short yardage red zone. That, that, that's all looks the exact same as it has when Yursich was in his first season. Yeah, no, for so. sure. Uh, okay, ESPN Plus, that's where you can find the game this weekend. Uh, I know fans are frustrated, and I understand why. You know, and, and I think Oklahoma State's a little bit frustrated about this whole thing because their messaging in the summer was like, hey, there's going to be one game on ESPN Plus. It's going to be Oklahoma State and McNeese. It's not – you know that game was always like the like the 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 bad non-con game was always like the weird outlier where you're like wait what channel is this on again and so it made sense for them to put this put it on ESPN's new digital platform where you have to pay monthly for it that made a ton of sense now they're putting a a, a conference game an important conference game on ESPN plus just what w- you, you said you had some takes on this and just some thoughts on like what what all's going on so take take the floor well, first, I don't understand why this game's on ESPN Plus just from a game status situation. They knew prior to making this decision that Kansas State was undefeated. And Oklahoma State, I guess they hadn't quite played at Texas yet, but Oklahoma State at that point looked like one of the better teams in the Big 12. This is one of their marquee games of the week. So why, knowing all that, was this was this on the on the table? That That's my first point. Okay. And... Secondly, I, I'm, fr- I'm as frustrated as anybody with this. Like, you know, I have streaming services. I get all that. But ESPN already charges like double what other channels do to be on cable. Like you're already paying out the nose for ESPN and all their, all their other channels. You have to subscribe to get ESPNU and ESPN News and ESPN, all those other ones. So why exactly am I supposed to pay $5 a month to get this extra thing? Like what, like. That why am I paying triple what I'm supposed to be paying for a channel on my cable when now I got to pay even more to me? It's just, it's just, I don't, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. And I just, I, I understand anyone's frustration that has with it. I don't read it. I don't watch it. Hate it. I don't like it. I hate it. Well, I, what I do think, you think about that? Well, am, I think, I, am I out of line? No. Am I, am I an old? Am I a hashtag olds? No, 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 not at all. I think you answered your first question with your with your second one though, right? Like it, it, if the first question is like why are they putting a good game on ESPN Plus? It's because they they ESPN wants to get as many subscribers as possible to ESPN Plus. They're trying to fill up this digital platform. Look, like I love the Big 12. Volleyball and soccer and gymnastics, that's not going to drive the kind of traffic you need to make this a viable product. And, and the weird part, Carson, we're in this, like, we're in the middle of all this unbundling, right? Like you, you can do all this a la carte, pay for HBO, pay for ESPN plus pay for all these different things. And it sounds great in theory. And then when you actually have to do it, it's, it's not that great because all of a sudden you're paying more than you were 
for just straight cable. And so we're in this middle ground of it to where it's like not everything is digital yet. Not everything is on ESPN plus yet. Some stuff still on ESPN. Most stuff is still on regular ESPN. And I think, I think this middle ground until everything goes digital, like everything's just ESPN plus maybe someday Monday night football will be ESPN plus, but until we get there, there's always going to be consternation and frustration around what is and, and isn't on uh, the regular ESPN versus ESPN plus. Does that, does that make sense? Does that kind of answer it? Yeah. We're in that, that middle area where people are kind of transitioning and they have both. And, and I, I do understand, you know, this is going to force a lot of people to subscribe to ESPN plus. I, I get that part of it, but I also feel like ESPN duped the big 12 and namely they duped Oklahoma state Yeah, by saying, well, it's just going to be one game McNeese. Oh, by the way, we're going to put Kansas state on there too. So deal with it. Yep. Like this would never happen to an Oklahoma or a Texas, which I get, they do their own third tier rights. That's why Oklahoma and Texas will never be on ESPN plus. I get they're from more of a position of power, but I just, I don't know. It just, it, it seems like a weak move by ESPN and I wish Oklahoma state would tell them to shove it. That's what I think. Well, I, I agree. I think it's kind of a, I don't know. It's not shady, but it's definitely like, wait a second. Like, what are we doing? Um, and it was not the way that I understand. It, it wasn't really like presented like this. And and this is not again, like the way I understand it. It's not a third tier rights deal. The third tier rights. That was the McNeese game. This is like, Hey, we own the big 12 games and yeah. we're just going to put this one on ESPN plus. Cause we want to. And, sh- and yeah. surely there's language dating back to when they signed the contract in 2012 that says, hey, if we have a future digital platform, we can put games on it if we want or whatever. I don't know. There's like, it's probably like a 900-page contract. But I, I do agree. It's it's a little – and it's not OSU's fault at all because the Big 12 is the one that's like, sure, you can do that. And they're saying that because ESPN pays them a ton of money. And they don't they don't care about like – I mean, they, they care, but they're, they're not like as adamant about pleasing the fan as, as, as a school is, as Oklahoma State is or Kansas State is. So I don't know. I, I agree with you. It's, it's unfortunate for fans, but I don't know. This is just, I guess it's just how it's going to be going forward. Yep. It sure seems that way. Um, okay. Let's talk a little, uh, we'll switch gears. We'll go basketball media day. Did you see this, uh, this, this, uh, <laughs> media basketball game that took place on, on uh, Tuesday in, Ga- I, in Stillwater? I saw some of the lowlights. I wouldn't call them highlights. I saw some of the lowlights. Yeah. Was that the best stuff that happened in the game? I, I would hope not, <laughs> but it might be. Or maybe that was the idea to show that it was bad basketball. You know, you, you don't want to show too many made shots and make it look like they're, you know, all-stars. Did you uh, did you see the number one pick? So for people who don't know, there was a media basketball game on Tuesday in Stillwater. It was kind of a fun deal where uh, Jim Littell and Mike Boynton were the referees and the players got involved and I guess picked teams. Uh, we had three guys that were there, um, Kyle Boone, Jackson LaVarnway, and Marshall Scott all played for us. And uh, did you see the number one pick in the draft was? The third Boone twin, Kyle yeah, Boone. The other Boone, the long lost Boone. <laughs> I don't. This might have been a Michael Ola Candy situation, though. I don't know if I don't know if it panned out. Is it, did his team get smoked? Uh, no, Marshall's team got smoked. But okay. I don't. I don't know how much. I don't know. I. St- I don't. I don't have a box score. I haven't seen a stat line on Kyle. I don't, well, I have a lot of questions. Someone had inside info because Kyle's a pretty good athlete. 
like he's a he's a good golfer. Um, is he a good basketball player? I've never seen him play basketball. I have no idea. I mean, media folks aren't like we're not known for our athletic prowess. So I think like a, a, an average level of athleticism qualifies you to be like, <laughs> you know, a top tier pick in this game. I guess so. But uh, no, it, it was, you know, I think that like, so it's easier for basketball to have do fun stuff like this. Cause there's not the spotlight that football has. Um, Boynton is just, he's just more open than Gundy is in terms of being able to, talk and ask questions and do fun things like this. And, uh, I don't know. I thought it was a cool start to the beginning of basketball. First basketball practice is today is Wednesday today, the day we're taping, which is crazy, but, uh, it was fun to kind of get things kicked off that way, uh, on Tuesday. Yeah. I, I read most of your coverage on, on pistols firing and I would encourage everyone else to go do that, but it really made me pretty excited for basketball, Kyle. I mean, you look at the roster, and for the first time since Boynton's been the coach, they have just what seems like very good depth. I mean, there, there are so many new faces on this team and guys that I'm pretty excited about. The guy guy I forgot about was the grad transfer from uh, UMass. He looks like a player. Jonathan Laurent or Laurent, how do yep. you say that? Yep. And you just go through all the newcomers, Avery Anderson, Chris Harris, the transfer. Or he's, he's a freshman, I'm sorry. Chris Harris, Marcus Watson on down the line. I mean, the Boone twins. Uh, and a guy for my one interesting thing I'll talk about later. But, man, just, I mean, isn't it crazy how much depth it seems like they have this year? And that's one thing, you know, about Mike Boynton. We all we all like him, but he's he's kind of had the same issues that Travis Ford had where guys would leave and he has he looks at the bench and he's got like one or two subs. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be something worth watching this year. Just it'd be it's fun to see him have a lot of. A lot of new pieces to, to use at his disposal. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Marcus Watson looks like he's been in college for like six years already. Uh, he He's not quite as big as Cam McGriff, but he's not that much smaller either. So it's easy to get excited about recruiting, but I, I'm legit excited about, about the basketball this year. So who knows? We'll see. Uh, they're not going to be elite. They might not even be that good, but I think hopefully, certainly, they'll be better than they were last year. Um Okay, you ready to get to the uni preview? Let's do it. Are you? Are you? Do you have yours written down, ready to go? Well, I mean, I'm perfect the last two weeks. <laughs> no, and, no, you missed the helmet last week. Yeah, I got the combo. <laughs> so did I. Yeah. Okay, you didn't well, get the combo perfectly the week before at Tulsa. No, so. I, I didn't. Let's get to this week's uniform preview, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit. Your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, I do you want to go first, or do you want me to? Uh, you can go ahead. Okay. I'm going with. Uh, I, I don't. I have no idea when the last time they wore this is. Justin Southwell made an awesome chart. Like in he he probably spent like 15 hours in on Google <laughs> Sheets making this chart. Probably longer than that, actually. And I don't have it in front of me. I'll pull it up after while you're giving your pick. But I don't know the last time they wore it. I'm going black, black, orange. So black, black helmet, black top, orange pants, with the uh, the Ed Hardy bowling ball design <laughs> on the on the helmet. Not to be confused with the mid first Ed Hardy card. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Mid first would never do that. Uh, black, black, orange. They haven't done that in a minute, but it looks so good. It's one of their better home looks. 
I could do without the Ed Hardy helmet, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, you ready for mine? Yeah, I'm looking. Go ahead. I'm I'm looking up. Uh, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know when the last time. It looks like okay. Here, here's this. If if I'm looking at this right, South this chart from Southwell is unbelievable. It looks like the last time they wore black, black, orange was uh, 2013 against Kansas State at home. Oh, well, that would that would be the trend. You know, they like to wear the same thing like they, at Texas. They, they like to wear orange, white, black. So maybe they'll go back to an old K-State home throwback. They did it in 2011 at home against um, against Kansas as mm-hmm. well. So they're 2-0, and it looks like in the uh in the black black orange yeah i'm gonna go a little more simple um combination i wanted to go black black gray they seem to like that one but i I think the equipment staff does a really good job not not doing what the team they're playing against does like you know kansas state obviously is going to have the silver pants i think the gray gray on gray pants i think the equipment staff would avoid that so i'm going to go and they haven't worn the brand yet and this was supposed to be you know Year of the brand, ride for the brand, the only logo. So I think they're going to go to the brand with this, uh, the white helmet with the, with the kind of chromed out brand with the black stripe. Just the, maybe it maybe it'd be paisley. I don't know if it's paisley or just black stripe. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, black jersey, white pants. So go okay. white, black, white is okay. kind of what I'm going with. Okay. Uh, Simple we- yet yet kind of a new look have they done white black i don't think they've done white black white what does the chart say yeah i'm, I'm looking that up <laughs> this uh, chart is like so good for or old man radio trying to remember combos it's like uh it's like the you know the the coach's chart where it's like should i go for two or not this this, <laughs> this is our our version of that they went white black white against virginia tech in the camping world oh yeah i was at that game yeah uh, that's when they unveiled the uh Patriot Pete with black face mask. Yeah, that's right. So, I'm they going also, with just. Th- oh, how about this, Carson? They also went white, black, white against Kansas State at home in 2015. They did. Yes, this that was the game that I was talking about. You. Yeah, but I didn't think they wore that. Yeah, white, black, white. Huh. Well, then I'm onto something here. <laughs> My subconscious took over, I guess. <laughs> they wore it against Baylor in 13, which was just. One of the one of the great combos up to that point. Mm-hmm. Iowa State in fourteen, and uh, I think that that looks like it's it. But yeah, I, I like that pick. It's a good one. Oh yeah, they did wear white, but they wore the the white helmet was was Phantom Pete. It looks like. Yeah, that's good. It's not good. Uh, okay, yeah. we are gonna talk uh, about a few records. We're gonna dive into the record book again. We're gonna give one interesting thing, but first. Let's talk a little more mid first, Carson. Ultimate game day experience. Uh, you don't you don't have to sign up for anything to do this. If you're using a mid first debit or credit card, uh, and every time you use it, you're automatically entered to win between now and October thirty first. Now, what are you what are you automatically entered to win? You're automatically entered to win two VIP tickets to an OSU game in November. Uh, there's some good ones on the slate, uh, so that should be a lot of fun. You're also automatically entered to win. Uh, $500. So each swipe of your OSU credit or debit card is another entry into the ultimate game day experience. That's pretty exciting. Dang. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool deal. Good stuff from well, them. If you're like me and you swipe a lot, that's a lot of entries. So <laughs> yeah. much better chance of winning. 
yeah, if you're like me and go to, go to the grocery store for your kids 17 times a week, then uh, you're, you should be <laughs> at the top of the list. That gives me anxiety. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, okay, you want to do, uh, do our Guess the Records game? Yeah, I'm ready. Who do you think, and, and what, what number do you think, in terms of most total rushes in a single season? So I said Chuba's on pace for about... If you take out the McNeese, the McNeese was kind of an outlier. If you take that out, he's on pace for about 390. If you leave it in, he's on pace for about 330. So who do you think holds the record and how many did they have? Oh, it's not Bob Finnamore because they only played like eight games, even though he carried it probably like 50 times a game. Um, It's got to be one of those really good running backs from the 80s not named Thurman, either Ernest Anderson or Terry Miller. I'll go I'll go Anderson with thirty carries with uh three hundred and thirty five carries. So this is for this is for an entire season is, is what your guess is? Uh yeah. Okay. So it is uh, wait, what did you guess? Ernest Anderson with how many? Uh, 335. That's a great guess. So Ernest Anderson is uh, second on the list with 353. Oh. Uh, Barry in 1988, 300, wow. 373 carries out of the backfield. See, I thought... They rode him like... <laughs> freaking secretariat <laughs> well he was secretariat and pads but i thought he was out of game so fast and got to 200 yards so fast that he wouldn't be number one but that 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 probably should have been the guess yeah so he had uh he had 373 thurman thomas ran it 328 times in 1985 and then you got terry miller terry miller david thompson thurman you don't really get to the modern era until uh, ninth. Joseph Randall uh, ran it 274 times in 2012. That was the Westlant J.W. Walsh year. And then Kendall Hunter ran it 271 times uh, in 2010. So those are the only two guys that have ever cracked the top 10 in, in the Gundy era. Uh, and Chuba is, uh, I mean, he's, <laughs> unless he, they just sit him or, you know, I, I don't know. He's well on his way to, to getting into that top 10. Yeah. And it's, what's crazy is he's not really built like that. Like he's more of a, a scat back that can run for power. So that's, that's concerning. But uh, Ernest, Ernest Anderson was a good guess. I, I must say so for myself. Yeah, it was. Okay. Uh, next one is how many, 100 yard rushing games did Zach Robinson have in his career? So we talk a lot about uh, Spencer Sanders. You know, is he the best runner since Zach? Uh, Ether Walsh in there probably. But how many, you know, in terms of like full time, multi year quarterbacks, how, how many, um, how many 100 yard rush games do you think Zach had over the course of his career? Well, he played, what, three years as a starting quarterback, probably midway through his uh, sophomore year. Uh, probably had three per year. I'll go nine. Three, six. I'll go nine. So he only had three. Oh, I thought he did more than that. I, I did too. So he had 2007, he had 116 against Texas Tech. Also 2007, he had 109 against Kansas State. And then in 2000 and 
oh, seven again. So all three came in 2007. He had 144 against Baylor, and that was it. Hmm. Now, part of that, I mean, the names that he is playing with here, you got Dantrell Savage, you got Kendall Hunter, you got Keith, I mean, Keith Toaston. These are all these are all pros. Like these guys all played in the NFL. So I think they probably held him back a little bit just because they didn't need to run him. But uh, I was kind of surprised by that. I, I thought he would have had more. And he got he got hurt a couple times running the football, so even yeah. more reason to to kind of hold him back. Remember that run that that shot he took against Texas Tech? That might have been 07. Yeah. Remember he, he got concussed or hurt his shoulder on a on a big hit. Uh, J.W. Walsh, by the way, only had one. That was against Mississippi State in 2013. And Spencer Sanders has how many? One so He's far? He's got two. He had, two. Uh, he had Oregon State and Texas. I forgot Oregon State. Okay. Yeah. So he's got half as wow. many as <laughs> Zach and J.W. Walsh had combined over the course of their careers. Wow. Pretty wild. Pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up. We'll talk about uh, – we'll give some predictions for the weekend, Carson, and uh, we'll talk one interesting thing. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, you said you had a basketball note for one interesting thing. What do you got? Yeah, apparently Mike Boynton has found a diamond in the rough from the Netherlands uh, in Hitty Roosink. He was kind of a late ad for them, um, but... All you got to do is go to Pistols Firing and read up on Media Day. And the guy that everyone says has made a huge impression so far is this guy from from the Netherlands. Uh, he was kind of off the radar. He wasn't even on the recruiting websites. But Mike Boynton says he's he's come in and, and done everything he's been asked. And apparently he can just shoot the lights out. He's 6'10", but he really is kind of that modern-day stretch four. And I think that's something they're going to need on this team, Kyle. It's, as much as Mike Boynton's added you know, youth and athleticism, uh, and they still have, obviously, you know, Thomas DeZagua and Lindy Waters for shooting. And Cam McGriff, has, is a, over the course of his career, has been a good shooter. But I think one thing they'll need is, is shooting from from a, their big men. Uh, and I think this Roosink guy is obviously impressed so far. And he's a true freshman, so he's got four years of eligibility. So I'm super intrigued by him. And, and you know, a lot of times in the preseason, the team can kind of tell you who's going to break out. I think that everyone's kind of pointing at this guy. Yeah, I <laughs> – you know, it's I always get a little leery with the you know the guys coming in from Europe and you know what what are they like in an actual game? Like, why didn't anybody else find? You know, there, there's just a lot of questions. But yeah, I mean, it, it is clear that he is uh, he's kind of the guy that everybody's maybe maybe um, maybe he'll pull the reverse Mason Cox. Like, maybe he comes from another country to the U.S. and thrives within the Oklahoma State basketball program. That'd be awesome. Kind of like Tom Hutton. He came from Aussie Rules. He's the, really the inverse Mason Cox. He yeah. came from Aussie Rules. I kind of forced Stillwater. <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of forced the analogy. Uh, my yeah. one interesting thing is also basketball related. Uh, Yorin A 
who you 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 call this you should be like bat flipping your keyboard right now you called this from the very beginning i was not totally in on it but uh he played so well at the end of the la- at at the end of last season and mike boynton marshall scott had a note in his rundown he kind of talked about everything that that boynton said at his press conference and one of the notes was that your and i couldn't get through their kind of boot camp stuff last year leading into practice like he was like barely like just scraping by and that this year he's one of the strongest guys in terms of like not i don't mean like physically strong but just ability to do all the training all the running all that different stuff so i am uh, i am very very excited for year two of urna because i think i think you make a such a big leap from freshman to sophomore year and if his sophomore year is anything like we saw at the end of his freshman year i think he's going to be really good and that's uh that's a big deal because oklahoma state hasn't had very many great big men in the last decade no and at the end of the year it looked like what's a good analogy here it looked like remember this is a mo- have you seen blue chips by no, any chance no was shaquille o'neal back you, in his prime I, I haven't seen anything well there's a scene in blue chips where nick nolte is going to recruit Shaq and in, in the bayou and he goes into this old like warehouse and it's like a pickup game and, sh- and it's young skinny Shaq, and he is just like swatting every dude swatting the ball into the rafters every time somebody tries to shoot and just dunking on people that's what your NA looked like at the end of the year against Big 12 competition. He was like a man amongst children. I know. And if you if you're saying that he's in better shape coming into this year, that that's a scary proposition for the rest of the league cuz he was a force of nature at the end of last year and I, I don't think that's being too hyperbolic either. I think I think everyone saw that the, the amount of blocks he had. He was he was really altering other teams' entire offenses just yep. around him. So it's I can't wait to watch him too. I man, I'm I'm really excited about basketball. It's, it's been so long since they've been competitive and really one of the better teams in the Big Twelve. But I think uh, if these young players can can get acclimated to this level of competition, then it, it could be a it could be a good year for for Mike Boynton and company. For sure, for sure. Okay, I got to get the AC back on in here, Carson. What's your uh, what's your pick for K State this weekend? Oh, it just seems like they always play close games, right? I mean it's a four point spread. I'm kind of bullish on Oklahoma state kind of running them out of the stadium. I mean, I, I just think they have too many athletes on offense. I think they'll open up the playbook a lot more knowing they're not playing Texas. And I've been encouraged by the defense so far. Like, look, they didn't play great early in the year, but I thought they made enough plays against Texas to win the game. Now, if they're going to start, if they're going to have two or three busted coverages every game, I'll, I'll retract that statement. But I, I think they're going to shore that up. This is a much less explosive offense against Kansas State. I think this is the type of offense that this defense wants to see. And so I, I kind of think OSU wins, oh, 42-28, something like that, 42-31. Yeah. I, I like that. I think. I don't. Who knows? Like this might look idiotic in five weeks. It might look idiotic this time next week. I think Oklahoma State's pretty good, and like if you watch the Texas game, like it, it, it makes like why they would be good makes a lot of sense. Now, did they do dumb stuff? Yeah, and you can't do dumb stuff against good teams. And you know who knows if Kansas State's a good team, but I just think they are. Uh, I, I, I think you're right. Like, I think we focus so much on what the offense did in Austin 
that we sort of skipped over the fact that the defense was um, was was plenty good enough, I think, to win that game. I mean, again, like what what do people expect from Oklahoma State defense, right? So I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go 34-24 OSU mm. in uh, their first their first Big Twelve game Low uh, scoring at, at home of the season. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, I'll go 34-24. Before you turn off the AC, doesn't it doesn't it feel like OSU's used maybe like a fifth of the playbook so far? I think they dive way deeper into it against K-State. I mean, they're going to have to. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I hope so. Doesn't it feel way, like they've opened it up at all yet. 34-24 qualifies as like a blowout in this series. Every game is yeah, like that's two true. points. <laughs> that's <so>. true. <laughs> Uh, okay, Carson. Uh, good stuff. We will talk again next week. Thanks again to MidFirst Bank. Thanks again to Chris's University Spirit. Appreciate the sponsorship, and uh, it's been a fun year so far. Yeah, it's been fun. I'll be in Stilly, so I don't have to watch ESPN Plus, and uh, we'll <laughs> talk to you uh, after the game. Talk to you later. Yep. Yeah.